You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Okay, let's get going. We're going to finish the seventh chapter of Truma today. We began the seventh chapter yesterday and we talked about different situations where we were eating Truma on purpose, but not adding a fifth. And we saw that the first three Mishnayot of chapter seven were a mirror image of the first three images, the first three Mishnayot of chapter six. And we read the general principle. And then we're now going to close out. The mission is going to change subject radically. And it's going to, by the way, jump away from this mirroring. And it's going to jump into a question of existential uncertainty. If we've got two baskets, one basket has real truma in it. And one basket has got chulin in it. One basket has ordinary food. And we don't know which is which. And an accident happens. One of the accidents that we've been rehearsing in the first, in the last three chapters of the Mishnah, we're going to go back to all the accidents we've been rehearsing. And we're going to ask, what if they happen with a pair of baskets, one of which is chulin and one of which is truma, but we don't know which is which. Maybe we forgot which was which. That's the subject we're going to deal with. It's a bit like the existential uncertainty about whether Schrodinger's cat is alive or dead. We just don't know. But even though we don't know, we're going to jump into the text. So off we go. And by way of introduction, by the way, I want there's one vital Mishnah which we haven't touched yet because it's in Chala. It's one four of Chala. We will learn this later, but just to give you a little preview, I want you to know that various grains are liable for Maser, and they're also liable for Chala. If you make dough, you've got to take Chala. And there are certain things which are exempt from, from Chala. And we have various grains here, rice, millet, poppy, sesame, and also different kinds of cakes. Sponge cakes, honey cakes, dumplings, something cooked in a pan, and muduma. Muduma is exempt from challah. Remember, muduma is the sort of dubious truma you get if you pour, uh, if you pour a sayer of truma into less than a hundred sayers of chulin. Remember, if the truma gets mixed up in chulin, and there's so much that it can't be just nullified by quantity. It turns into dubious truma, which we call muduma, and muduma is exempt from chala. Chala is in some way truma itself because it's given to the priest. So if it's dubiously truma, it doesn't need to be given. It doesn't need chala taken. At least that's the view of the Mishnah. So now we know the Mishnah knows this, by the way, but we need to know it too, and we can now jump into uh, trumot. And here's the scenario we're going to paint. There were two baskets, one truma, one chulin. And a sayer of truma fell in. Well, we know, we know that, we've dealt with this before, we know. A sayer of truma falls in. If there are a hundred sayers, or 101 perhaps, in the, in, the, in the heap, 
then the sayer is basically diluted. You can just take a sayer out, give it to the Kohen, and you're okay. If there are fewer than 100 sayers in a heap, a whole heap becomes maduma, and you need to you need to give it to a Kohen. And in this case, we don't know which heap it fell into. And the Mishnah says, and in the first person, we don't know which one it fell into. Really interesting, the Mishnah talking in the first person, but the anonymous first person. Here I say, it fell into the trough. We're not talking about physical reality here. We're talking about halachic reality. Yeah? There are two baskets. A sayer has fallen into one of them. It's fallen into the trauma. And we're going to carry on. That means, by the way, there's no problem, right? It hasn't made the chulen into the maduma because it's fallen in the trauma. Let's carry on. It's not known which was trauma, which was chulen. We got these two baskets. We don't know which is which. We don't know which is which. Achal achatz mehen. Someone ate from one of them. And the Mishnah goes on to say, Patur. He's free. And the second basket is treated as trauma. So he's eaten from one. We, we've forgotten which, what, which was which. Okay, he's eaten from one. So he knows which he's eaten from because he's eaten from it. We're going to say, the second one we're going to designate as trauma. We're going to keep it as trauma. And the Mishnah goes on to say, So that sounds like it's not really, it's not really trauma, right? If it's really trauma, there's no way it would need chala. So this is in an in-between state. It's treated as trauma, but it needs chala. Divrei Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi Potra. And Rabbi Yossi disagrees. He's going to exempt it from Chala. Because he thinks this is real Trum. And we're going to see this dispute between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi repeat itself through the other two Mishnayot, which are going to close out the chant. So Rabbi Meir says, look, we treat it as Trum, but it's not really Trum. So it needs Chala. Rabbi Yossi is saying, no, it's real Trum. The halachic reality is the same as the physical reality, or vice versa, they're in line, it's real trauma, it's exempt from khan. And you've already seen, by the way, that the Mishnah is treating us pretty gently. The Mishnah is bending over backwards to make sure we don't have any problems with this forgetfulness. And it's going to carry on in this style of bending over backwards to make life easy for us. Let's say someone else comes along and eats the second basket. So, okay, our scenario is we got these two baskets. We don't know which is chulin, which is trauma. Someone eats from the first basket. We're going to be lenient. He's exempt. Another person comes and eats the second basket. Same answer. Patur. We still have the existential uncertainty. The existential uncertainty applies to both baskets. Patur. He's exempt. He doesn't have to pay back. If someone ate both of them, okay, if someone, if someone ate from both baskets, okay, at this point, the existential uncertainty, you know, is resolved, right? Because we know at least one of these is from a, and there the Mishnah says, 
In other words, we assume we take the smallest, um, we take the the um, they're they're both going to be. Um, he, he ate he ate from both baskets. We're going to repay according to the the if you like the size of the smaller basket. Now. I mean, it's an interesting contradiction here because the most lenient, um, the most lenient position actually belongs with a larger basket, and this might be something to. This might be something for further investigation. The missioner clearly says he pays according to the value of the smaller, which suggests that the smaller one is rendered maduma. But of course, if the larger one was very, very large. Sorry, this is eating. This is eating. So he's he's eating the van. He's repaying according to the basically this the um, the small. He's eating out of the smaller basket. Mishnah continues. If one of them fell into chulin, so now we've got two. We, let's go back. We've got these two baskets. We have two baskets: one truma and one chulin. The first situation is that a set of truma falls in. Second situation is that one of these baskets falls into Chulin, opposite way around. So one of them falls into Chulin, the Mishnah says it doesn't make it Maduma. We have the existentialist uncertainty. The second is still treated as Truma, subject to the laws of Chala, according to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi exempts it. It's a repeat. And we're going to repeat the situation. Remember, in the earlier Mishnah, we had a second person, a second, we had someone eating from the second basket. Here we've got the second basket falling elsewhere into a different pile of chulin. It doesn't make it madumam. Just like achla, just like achal acher someone ate the second basket, the second basket falls elsewhere. It doesn't make it madumam. But if they both fall, in a pile of food, if they both fall into one place, then they make it maduma, according to the quantity of truma, which is going to be in the smaller basket. We assume one of them has to be truma, and we assume the smaller one. Two parallel mishnayot, and now we're going to close. Rather than having one of these, but we're in the same two baskets, right? But rather than having it fall into chulin, we're going to use it as seed. Now you can't sow truma. Truma has to be given to the kohen. Kohen's got to eat it. You can't sow truma. And if you sow it, you need to plough it up. You need to uproot it. But, but again, the Mishnah is bending over backwards to be maker, to be lenient. Zarai achadmahem, he sowed one of the baskets. Patur. He doesn't have to uproot it. And the second one is going to be designated Truma. It's a carbon copy of the first two Mishnayot. And again, Rabbi Yossi exempts it. Or someone else comes along and takes the second basket and sows it. And again, he's exempt because the this existential uncertainty applies to both baskets. But 
if, if someone sowed both baskets, just as if someone ate both baskets, or we poured both baskets onto a pile of chulen, then, um, then we have a problem. And the Mishnah explains, but if it's a kind whose seed disintegrates, so um, the, the seed doesn't hang around in the ground, an ordinary wheat and barley seed would fall into this category. I mean, once it sprouts, it's gone. It's, if, if it's that kind of thing, it's permitted. So we, we are going to be lenient. We're not going to make him uproot. But if it's the kind whose seed does not disintegrate, in other words, this is stuff like garlic or, or um, onions. Uh, you know, you plant an onion and the onion is still there, right? Three months later, it's sprouting more and more onions. If it's that kind of seed, then it is actually forbidden. It's going to be a sore. It's going to be considered as trimmer, and he's going to have to plow it up. That is the close of chapter seven. So we're dealing with the existential uncertainty. The Mishnah is bending over backwards to avoid causing problems to people who are um, making mistakes in this space. And you can see, of course, you know, we've talked before the economic consequences of a mistake are very great. So we can understand perhaps why the Mishnah is bending over backwards to make life easy. Um, I think that with that I will close. Tomorrow we will start the eighth chapter, and which will take us in a different direction, and then a couple few days later we'll start the ninth chapter which actually deals with sowing of seeds. But for the table we'll close. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.